there was a guy today at Total Wine who was talking loudly, of course, because he has to talk loudly so everyone can hear him. But he was talking to an employee and he said, man, I came here and I got a bottle of Mister's 10-year. And it was like, I can't believe I paid so low for it. And secondary is like 300. I haven't opened it in six months. And I just wanted to punch him in the throat. <laughs> 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 hope you're enjoying this back to basic series we may have one more in the hopper for you after this week but we'll find out first we have to give a shout out to our friends at jim beam we're invited to a media only preview of the new cocktail experience at the jim beam urban Stillhouse that is in downtown louisville on 4th street they're creating a new tourist and locals destination where you get to be a bartender and make your own custom cocktail using things like fresh fruit herbs jams and mixers this is a new addition thanks to the bill that passed, allowing distilleries to sell more alcohol. In other news, next Thursday, March 23rd, is the Legend Series hosted by the Kentucky Derby Museum, featuring the founder of Bullet Distilling Company, Tom Bullet. This event is emceed by Fred Minnick, and it's always uh, pretty much a good time and always fun to attend. Tickets are $75 per person, or $65 if you're a museum member, and they can be purchased online at derbymuseum.org. Next month is going to feature the president of Old Forester, Campbell Brown, during this series. Remember, this is a listener-supported podcast, so your sponsorships go a long way in keeping this podcast alive. Please consider being a sponsor and donate as little as $1 a month at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash burnpursuit. Enjoy this week's episode. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky. And you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Give 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com. And you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, 
Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Welcome to another episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast. Kenny and Ryan here tonight, and we are in our third, and it might be the last of the the newbies here, or the newbie month, or back to basics month that we've kind of coined, uh, getting back into this. Ryan, kind of give everybody a background of what we've done this month in the past two podcasts, and what we're going to be talking about tonight. Damn, put me on the spot to remember. No, uh, so we've had Tim and uh, Bernie Lovers on, and we've had two great episodes on... Uh, kind of how bourbon's made the, you know, the foundations of it. And then Bernie, you know, drilled us with bottle and bond. Gosh, that was a in-depth episode. It was great. Uh, it kind of brought me, got me a little excited about bourbon again. I'm kind of feeling it again. I'm getting back into the game. Yeah. Cause like I said, we, we were losing here for a little bit. You know, you talked about rum a lot. And I know I was getting on the vino, the rum, but I'm getting, I'm getting excited about bourbon again. You did kind of sound a little bit like Blake sometimes. Cause you're like, Oh, I had this great Bordeaux and oh, <laughs> pinkies up. Blake. <laughs> there you go. Don't hate, don't hate on the wine game. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, let's go ahead and we'll talk about what we got going on. So this is our seventh community round table. Um, by now, most people have probably heard of it, but what we do, we've got a panelist of, pretty well-known bloggers and pundits that are in the area and, or should I say maybe the, the the realm of bourbon, if you will. And we do this live on YouTube. So if you haven't had a chance, make sure you follow all these people that are on here. And we sent, we sent out the link so you can actually sit here and watch this happening live. Uh, we also have people that are chimed in. We've got uh, almost 40 people right now that are just on and just chatting away with us and going to answer questions as we go along here. So before we kind of get started and we dive into this, and we're going to start, again, talking about newbies and kind of introduction back into bourbon and kind of what started all for us. Give everybody kind of a, an idea of who you are, where do you blog, where do you tweet, all that good stuff. Uh, started with you, Blake. I'm Blake from Bourboner, uh, bourboner.com backslash blog. And then, you know, all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you just type in Bourboner, that's bourbon with an R on the end, you'll be able to find me. My name is Kerry, and uh, I run a blog called Suburbia. You might have read a great article last time I wrote about six months ago. There's a <laughs> lot of them on the website. I encourage you to take a look at it. Um, I am on Twitter at, uh, at bourbon underscore gamer, and I am, uh, I'm also a member of the Bourbon R Facebook group, which you might have heard has become the greatest thing since sliced bread. So. On there, um, the there's a new message every 10 minutes, so it's hard to keep up with every game. <laughs> I mean, you can't start. keep up with bourbon art, you just yeah. so I stopped trying, and um, now I'm just at a point where I have realized that I love bourbon and I love rye and I love whiskey and I love talking about it, not so much writing about it. But don't stop following me because once in a while, I'm gonna have somebody else write a blog article for me. <laughs> <laughs> Ghost writers, right? That's where it starts. Hey, this is Jordan from Breaking Bourbon, one of three guys that runs the website. We do reviews, articles, and our daily release calendar. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Breaking Bourbon. Um, and you can also sign up for our newsletter that comes out monthly. 
Awesome. So thank you guys once again for joining on this and and sharing your thoughts. Um, later on, we might have Brian Hara from Sippin' Corn join in. He's had some technical difficulties. Somebody always has technical difficulties on here, but uh, thankfully everybody made it through this time. So let's kind of get it cracking and kind of kind of get it started. And what was what was your gateway bourbon like? What started it for you all that said you know like oh, okay like I can stomach this a little bit. You know don't don't start it off to say like oh you know I had Jim Beam White Label and then I puked everywhere and I had a horrible experience. But like what was what was it that got you back into it? And it looks like Carrie wants to go first. Yeah, thanks. That'd be great. So Eagle Rare Standard Eagle Rare is the bourbon that only not only got me into bourbon, but got three of my good buddies who, uh, the four of us actually started a bourbon society. Um, Eagle Rare was the bourbon that gateway us all into bourbon. I, I remember the first time I tried it thinking, this is more amazing than anything I tried in college with Coke. This, I actually think I'm just going to put an ice cube or two in a cup and drink this. And it's still almost to this day when I try Eagle Rare, there's like a nostalgic feeling to it that I have. Um, I can say without a doubt, Eagle Rare is what converted me into a fan of bourbon and realizing there's more out there than Jim Beam. Sure. So mine, I mean, mine's simple, right? So mine's Woodford. This was way back when, before I really knew anything about bourbon, but it just, you know, to me, it actually, it, it did. It tasted good. Um, I've since well moved on from Woodford, but that was what, that was what got me moving away from just mixing bourbon with Coke and um, just drinking it straight and just opened up my eyes to the world of bourbon, which... Hey, kudos to them for at least getting me into the world. Don't really visit them too much, but you know, it's um, it worked well for me. Yeah, for me, I was trying to think back. It was probably I was going to say Blanton's, but then I started thinking about it more. Maybe even Wild Turkey Rare Breed because I felt like that was one where it was you know more than just alcohol at that point. You know, I tried a other few, but. Then I just remember sitting down with Rare Breed one time and like thinking, wow, there's a lot of different flavors in this. Um, and it's funny because all of these are probably bourbons we don't go to as much now. But um, that one for me is still really good and uh, really opened my eyes to bourbon. How about you, um, Ryan? You know, growing up around it, there's really no gateway. You just kind of – you just get <laughs> you it. Get thrown into it. <laughs> it's the floodgate, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I guess – what got me from, you know, just getting shit faced with it and mixing it with a Coke. Uh, my dad had a bottle, two bottles. He had a Lazar Craig 21 year and wow. a Noah's Mill 15. And those were my first two like knee pours. And that's kind of what got me into the special releases and stuff. So I feel bad that I drank those because uh, now they're gosh worth <laughs> knows how what. But uh, sorry, dad. <laughs> you know, for me, it's it all started back off in college when we were drinking um, Kentucky Tavern every single day, and every once in a while, I switched to a VOB. But I can think that what really turned me on. I mean, don't get me wrong; like I've been drinking bourbon for uh, since college, nonstop for like fifteen years now, right? Um, at least at least once a day, kind of it always helped take the edge off. But I would think that the one that really kind of opened my eyes up, where I I started trying to venture out and the do more things was when I started, uh, I had four rows of small batch the first time. I think that was the one that kind of did it for me. Um, you know, I was, I was doing a little bit of old Forester stuff like that. Um, but you know, when I, I would only have something that, you know, required just a little bit of water or just a rock or just an ice cube or something like that, or heck just, just on the rocks at that point. Right. I mean, everybody knows the the gradual progression of a bourbon drinker. I know Blake's got a good diagram on his site that 
kind of has the the caveman that and then you know you start off mixing with coke and then you you're off to a human where you're actually just drinking and neat but that was the one that kind of started it for me you know it looks like some of the people are chiming in this jason wayne said it was rock hill farms for him uh mark dunaway was bullet rye uh, Greg Bonder was uh, Buffalo Trace, and he actually had it for his first time while in, in Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Uh, Kyle Anderson, uh, Blanton's. It seems like people talk about Blanton's a lot on here. Um, another gateway that uh, was kind of surprising, Chris Walker said Bell Mead. You know, I've actually <laughs> never uh, thought about having Bell Mead as the gateway because that's, well, I mean, that's that's sort of an expensive bottle, right? I mean, it's like 40, mm-hmm. 50 bucks, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I had never heard of Bell Mead until recently. I think there's also. There is the gateway into bourbon, and there's the grown-up uh, bourbon or whiskey that you have. For me, it was Gentleman Jack. I remember when I, before I was into bourbon, but after college, when I would travel, you know, or be at a hotel, I was at a job that I traveled all the time. I would always order Gentleman Jack, and that was the first bourbon or whiskey that I could have with just ice. And I think everybody remembers the transitional bourbon, not just the one that leaps them into bourbon as a hobby, but the one where they're like, okay, maybe I, maybe this isn't just a pour in a plastic cup with a bunch of Coca-Cola. Maybe this is something that the taste is actually really good. There's this caramel, this is this uh, smokiness to it. And I think gentleman Jack for me was my first transitional bourbon that I had before Eagle rare. I think that's one that kind of gets overlooked is is the Jack Daniels line with Gentleman Jack. And I I actually like their Jack Daniels single barrel. Rightfully so. Um, Really good. (laughs) But nobody talks about it. And, you know, I mean, you could make the defense that we don't talk about it because they try to set themselves up as a Tennessee whiskey. You know, it's mass produced. But a lot of this stuff is mass produced. And, you know, some of the single barrel and Gentleman Jack releases are probably – in smaller batches than, I don't know, uh, maybe not like a, maybe some Heaven Hill stuff at least. Yeah. Um, or Four Roses Yellow Label. I don't know. That could be close. But I had that discussion with someone the other day and it was like, yeah, it just gets ignored because it's Jack Daniels. <laughs> well, but the Tennessee whiskey, I think in general, just gets ignored. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, it essentially with, besides the maple chips that it goes over, it's the same thing. Right. And they wear they wear hunter orange too. It's awful. <laughs> it's all barrel aged stuff. So I think as a Florida fan, I can agree with that. So yeah, I mean, I think there is a there is a negativity towards Jack Daniels and um, and for that matter, uh, Dickel. Um, yeah, but I'll sure. be honest, man. I've had I've had old uh, Dickel in my mouth that was just as good as <laughs> it out right. he's been That's sitting my- on that joke for a while <laughs> saving that one yeah he has so <laughs> Blake I'll, I'll kind of pass this one over to you because you're the only one who had a gateway bourbon that was uh, barrel proof right because it seems like a lot of people that were even putting in the comments I mean there's so many people that said Eagle Rare um, Brian Durbin said Old Granddad Bottle and Bond but you're the only one who kind of talked and went directly to like a um uh, a barrel proof. So, so why do you think that was your gateway versus everybody else that was kind of starting with something that was in around the, the 90 to hundred proof range? Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm trying to think, I know rare breed right now is at like 113 or something with the latest batch. So man, it was probably, it wasn't that high, you know, it wasn't what most people are seeing. If I, ha- I know I have some 98, it wasn't what most people think of as barrel proof these days, kind of that 120 plus, but it was definitely with ice, it, you know, and that was probably 
a year or two into drinking the standards of Maker's Mark, you know, maybe a little bit of um, like Bean Black Label and that kind of stuff. But it was still mixing it here and there, maybe drink it on the rocks here and there. But that that one was just like, man, there there was just so much more flavor in in that one, the Wild Turkey Rare Breed, than anything else I had drank. And that was just kind of eye-opening to me. Um, so, you know, and I think it's still a good option. It, people kind of forget it's been barrel proof for a long time and it's available on most shelves. So I guess a, a good question I'll throw to you, Carrie. So if, um, if somebody is getting into bourbon and you say like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to show you some good stuff. I mean, do you, do you think that the right thing to do is just go ahead and start throwing barrel proof stuff at their face? Or you think it's something that they need to ease into, or they're just, they're just really not going to like, uh, whatever it is that they're tasting. Yeah, so the first time, when I first got into bourbon, I remember my birthday was November of 2014. We were at um, Chop Steakhouse, and I um, had mainly stuck with Eagle Rare, you know, low proof, and I ordered a William, William LaRue Weller that they had just gotten in. I think it was like 22 bucks for two-ounce pour, and I, I can't remember the proof of 2014, but high enough that I should have known better, and I, I ordered one ice cube with it. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm all big shot. I'm into bourbon. And here's my William Rue Weller, and I'm swirling it around, and I take a sip. And I choked on it so strong, and it burned my throat. And I was just sick from – I remember I had like a sore throat for three days because it was so painful. So when people come over now to my house and they're not big into bourbon and they want to try stuff, I go for the low proof because you want to – experience the the oaky profile of an aged bourbon the softness you don't want to overpower them i think it takes time to work your way up to where barrel proof really is you come to realize the barrel proof has the full flavor but for people who are starting out you know you you see that barrel proof stuff i i would shy away from it even with ice cubes melting it down there's still a harshness to it that you can't overcome unless you are totally watered down. So I feel like if somebody's going to come over, they're just getting into bourbon or they're getting into rye, I'm going to give them some low proof 20 plus year stuff to introduce them to the great oaky flavor that you get with some of this stuff. Mark Dunaway says that's when you break out the basil. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Basil was one of my first. Yeah. Like, because it's so approachable and so easy on the palate. Like Tim said in our episode, he's like, anybody that's new to bourbon, 80 proof is going to be hot to them, you know? Mm-hmm. So you can't yeah. just blow them away. And I made the mistake. I had a friend in who was just getting bourbon and hell, I was taking them, giving them Willets and, you know, all that. And he's like, God, this is so hot. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, well, he's never had it before. So yeah, definitely a newbie needs like an 80 to 86, you know, to kind of ease yeah. the palate into it. You gotta, you gotta get the, the the like digestive tract smoothed down so that the, you know you're not burning. He's probably sitting on his pillow that night with the worst heartburn of his life. You know, they, they say Kentucky hug for a reason, right? Like it's it's there and it's noticeable. So you you got to start. That's why the Eagle Rare to me is a perfect gateway bourbon. It's thirty bucks. It's ninety proof. It's um, ten years old. I think that to me that's like the perfect combination of everything you're looking for in a bourbon. Yeah, that's a good one. And like, I also, you know, if people are going for, you know, something like that, a good $20, $30 bourbon, maybe $35, I encourage people who are getting into it, add some ice too. 
Like mm-hmm. you, you want to get into this, you probably haven't been used to drinking just straight alcohol, right? Maybe you've been doing rum and Cokes or like mixed vodka drinks, stuff like that, or even mixed bourbon cocktails. Like add ice water down just so you can start getting a hint of that flavor and then start pulling back from there until you're, you're you know, finishing your bottle with no ice. And this way they're at least bought in versus, yeah, because if you burn your throat, if you, you know, just have a bad reaction one or two times, you're not going to try stuff and then you're just going to get turned off. Yeah. yeah, I'm a firm believer that you need at least a year to start drinking yeah. neat, you know, it, and people who just want to come in and, and act like, like it just burns up your mouth if you're not used to it, even yeah. at yeah. the 86 proof. Um, and then you're not tasting anything if your taste buds are all burnt up. So, uh, you know, I think you kind of need that waning period of going from mix to just yeah, ice to splash water to, um, and you need to taste a bunch of different things to realize, Oh, this is why this is different and better. It tastes different. You know, if you just jump straight into drinking Pappy or something, you probably don't really appreciate it because you don't know what other stuff tastes like. Right. So, well, um, and the nice thing too, with ice is like, you almost get like three different drinks. Like, cause you get, when you first pour it, you're kind of getting like the neat taste. And then as the Mm -hmm. ice melts, you get a a little bit chill. And then when it's watered down, you kind of get it, you know, as as it would be with just water. So it's kind of neat to kind of see how it tastes different as it progresses, you know, the ice melts too. Yeah. I mean, they they say you, you should have a nice bourbon with a glass of at least one cube to kind of open up the flavors of it. Right. A lot of people will say flavors open up with a little bit of water. Um, Freddie over at Buffalo Trace, you know the, the awesome tour guide, will say, "Put one ice cube in there, let the taste open up." Um, so I think there there is you know a little bit to just kind of opening up a bourbon that's been sitting in a bottle for a while. You know, I think it would do us a disservice if we didn't even mention Maker's Mark as a part of this, only because of of who they are, the the recognition you have on the shelf. Because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that can say that they've gotten their gateway into bourbon because of Maker's Mark. Just because they see it on the shelf and it just has a, a kind of a staple to it. Yeah. yeah. So let's go ahead and we'll, we'll move. Since we're on this kind of bottle question, I'll, I'll kind of push this over uh, onto you. So what do you think are like the, the, the must bottles that you must have like as, as kind of like a, a new person getting into this? I know it's a broad question, but if you were going to start with like five bottles, like what are those five bottles you start with? And uh, Ryan, I'll push it over to you. I'll put you on the spot first. <laughs> All right. To me, uh, you got to have Evan Williams single barrel for me as a staple. Um, I think it's just a good entry everyday bourbon, 86 proof. It's got a ton of caramel, vanilla flavors. I mean, it's real easy, easy drinker. Uh, second, I think you got to get a weeded bourbon. I, I like Old Fitz um, regular, or I mean, Old Fitz like bottle and bond, or if you can only get the 86 proof, I like that have as a weeded bourbon just to kind of see the contrast between a rye bourbon and a rye uh or a weeded whiskey and then third i would get a rye whiskey like sazerac rye is a if you can find it at 30 bucks that's a great rye whiskey to have um fourth i would probably have like johnny drum as a higher proof um kind of you know there's more cinnamon more bang you're gonna get a lot more flavors out of that than the other Three and then fifth, I'd probably get a barrel proof like a Booker's or a Elijah Craig barrel proof or um, a younger aged Willet or something like that. That those are my B five. I would get pretty good. Pretty much round that out. So uh, while you were talking there, we actually had Brian join the show. So uh, Brian, welcome to the uh, 
the roundtable. Thanks, guys. Good to be back. All right. So we'll uh, we'll let you close out here in a little bit. So we're asking, what are the top five bottles you have to have for a newbie? Um, I'll let you think about that one and speak on that one for a little bit, Brian. So we'll, we'll move over to uh, to Jordan. What do you think? Sure. So we actually plug for breaking bourbon, right? So we do our best of like 20 to 30 bourbons, best of 30 to 40, best of 40 to 50. I'm kind of in line, like me and the guys put a lot of thought behind this. So if I were to pick five out of them, like varying price ranges, right? I'd probably do um, any year Evan Williams uh, single barrel, right? Big fan of that. They're usually pretty good, pretty, pretty inexpensive for what they are, right? Um, another one would be a Henry McKenna single barrel, Eagle Rare, um, I throw on a makers just to make sure you get your, um, you know, a variation of a wheat in there too, and that you can compare and contrast against some other weeders that, that are in this list. Right. Um, old granddad, 114, right. Solid buy. These are all like solid buys. So if you want to try something a little bit higher in proof, but you really don't want to pull out your taste buds with like 120 plus proof bourbon, something to eventually work your way up to. Right. And then four is a single barrel just to start seeing like a true flavor variation. Um, a lot of single barrels in that list, but for the most part, pretty um, accessible by a lot of people out there and pretty value conscious too, right? So everything there is usually under 40 bucks um, if you're shopping around. A good way to start your collection without spending a ton of money and then seeing what you like. And then as you start spending more money, honing in your flavor profile and going from there, right? The, the worst thing I hate seeing is when people start off, they buy like super expensive bottles for themselves, right? They'll go out and spend like $100 plus on a few different bottles. And it just makes no sense, right? You don't even know if you're going to like bourbon. First dial in your flavor profile and then go after what you really want and then spend all you want. <laughs> At that point, yeah. Right, yeah. There's there's a lot of good suggestions on here. I mean, DeProof said you, you kind of can start off with um, five different things. You know, you got to start off with a weeder, a high rye, a bottle and bond, a rye whiskey, and then a, a barrel proof or something that's overproofed, right? So you yep. kind of get the gamut of a full different, you know, a few different things. That's what um, I gave yeah. And then another way to kind of look at this is like, do you start and and try to get one from each distillery? You know, you go mm-hmm. Buffalo Trace, get one from, you know, Wild Turkey, you know, get your Russell's Reserve. Um, then you move over to Heaven Hill and so on and so forth. So there's a, there's definitely a lot of ways to take this. Like, Blake, what do you what do you think is the best way to, to kind of go at it? I say just take out a loan and get the five <laughs> bottles from the antique collection <laughs> at whatever cost. <laughs> They've set those five bottles up for a reason. Just every secondary market you can find, go there, buy the bottle. And uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, it, I'm basically just going to reiterate everything that everyone else has said. Find that, I call it like the bourbon buffet. So find a weeded, probably Maker's Mark. Find a high rye, maybe Four Roses. Um, old Granddad kind of falls into that as well. Um, and then I, I like Buffalo Trace. Uh, four rows of small batch is another great one. Uh, if you want to spend a little bit more Blanton's is always good. And I think, um, just figuring out why you're tasting different things. So maybe get two bourbons from the same mash bill and same distillery. Um, try that and then just start to go by age. Okay. This is a six year bourbon. What's it taste like? Find something that's a little bit older, like an Eagle rare, which is 10 year. What's ages on labels? If you look hard enough, <laughs> uh, but that's that's my suggestion, Brian. We'll, we'll ask you. So, what, what do you what do you what do you think is uh, anything that we haven't beaten a horse to death with? You know, listening to you guys, I sort of had the same ideas. Uh, you've got to make sure you figure out what you like first, and don't blow your money on limited editions right away. 
Um, I think the progression is to find those five. And my list is a lot of what you guys already said. Um, I've got the weeded with Maker's Mark for Four Roses. I think you can try any of the three from yellow label to small batch to, to single barrel. I've got Elijah Craig on mine, Blattens. And then the one I had that I, I didn't hear you guys say was go ahead and try the old Bardstown four-year bottle and bond. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a good one. You know, Will, it's got some really it's good stuff coming out. And that's, sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's affordable, and, and I can get it. Um, so <laughs> you guys can get it. And then, Kentucky and then my recommendation. Forget the rest of the country. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> Uh, then work your way up. Uh, you know, go to go to the to the gift shops if if you're uh, in the state, or if you can't do that, find some of the uh, private barrels from from some of the stores. And a lot of the good ones will let you try it first. They'll have a little bar set up uh, that you can try the their their private selections, and then hone your taste in that way. And then work your way up to to getting to uh, Total Wine or Liquor Barn at 4 a.m. to uh, to try to win the lottery. <laughs> well, before we get into first. the things that are, are tips to like, don't do as a newbie, we'll, we'll get into that one a little bit. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Carrie, anything else to add on this topic before we move yes. on? Thank you. First you off, go. you need to get a Mictors 20. Everybody needs to have a beer collection. You need to have one. You need to have a Pappy 20. Forget the 23. It's overrated. It's overoaked. You need to have a Pappy 20. No, my only suggestion is to, to new people who, um, and this goes to the people beyond who are probably following this podcast, but to the new, new people who go into Total Wine, I'm going to see shelves, uh, huge displays of bourbon that are like Buckhorn or names that um, are private barrel that are made exclusively for Total Wine or Liquor Barn. Go to another smaller store and see if they have the same product. If they don't have the same product, do not buy that. Do not put it on your shelf because that is a private barrel, probably crap bourbon, most likely very yes, a crap bourbon. Just do a little bit of research before you fill your bar. Make sure that what you're buying is a product that is a national distribution or at least a regional distribution and not something that is, is private barrel. I, I can't tell you how many times... I've been in Total Wine and people ask for recommendations and Total Wine recommends their private label stuff that is made by Terrapure or whatever it is. So just do your homework and at a minimum, get an Eagle Rare, get a Maker's Mark and um, get a Sazerac Rye. If you can't find Sazerac Rye, spend a little bit more and get a Pikesville Rye, which can be find out, found everywhere. That's a great one. Yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah. And uh, and, go from there. And, and avoid it if it's got a horse on it, except for Blanton's. Yes. <laughs> yes <laughs> having farm. a horse is a bad, bad sign. Yeah. It's marketing 101 right there. So the other thing that was uh, pretty interesting that Thunder Chicken put on here is says, how about a Japanese variant? Which, honestly, mm-hmm. it might be something that, you know, you might waste four four bottles of bourbon and not, not really like it. And then you're all of a sudden like, oh, shit, like, I really like the Japanese stuff more. Which suits us perfectly fine. That'd be fine if you just. Made yes, that. that's the more that when I switch over to Japanese whiskey, the better. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Carrie uh, kind of started us getting you know tips for newbies, you know, and stuff like that. But you know, before I get into tips for newbies, I kind of want to pose a question to you all because 
we were all new at this at some point, right? So what did you think was the most intimidating thing when you first started getting into bourbon or, you know, trying to figure out, you know, you know, steer your way? I mean, I can tell you right now, the most intimidating thing for me when I started joining forums was understanding acronyms. You know, mm-hmm. OGD, like what the hell does OGD stand for? Uh, you know, WLW, like what all this sort of stuff, right? So a lot of that stuff was was the intimidating thing for me. So um, I'll pass it over to whoever wants to chime in first. I'll go first. <laughs> Lead off tonight. I don't think anything really is intimidating. I think that the problem that you have with bourbon is that to me, it's kind of like rungs of a ladder. And it was a question that was asked on Reddit. And it was like, how did you become a, it, for all of you who consider yourself masters of bourbon, how did you become a master? I don't think there's mastery of any of this. I think that there are simply rungs on a ladder, right? And we climb up a ladder as we go. The more we learn, the higher we climb on the ladder. But what sucks is that we look down on the people who are on the rungs below us, and it just drives us freaking crazy. Because we were at that point somewhere along the line. And we look down upon those people and say, you've got to be freaking kidding me. You know, the guy who says... Um, I posted an article about the four grain E.H. Taylor four grain. And the guy says, where am I going to be able to find some of this? That was probably me before I really got into bourbon. And so I, you know, bite my tongue and and I really want to say, you know, in a store that gets it. Um, but you can't because you, you, you lose appreciation for the fact that you were on that level before you were that newbie before. So I think the intimidation doesn't come from outside sources. It comes from people who are higher up who are looking at you like, God, screw this newbie. You know, they're, they're such a noob and they're asking dumb questions. But then deep down, we know that we ask those same questions at some point. So I think to me, that's where the intimidation comes from is, is not the stores and not the products. It comes from the people who know bourbon, who aren't um, as willing to share that info without making you feel like crap first. Chase said like trying to avoid the hype. Is, is the thing that he finds most intimidating because I, I think for a new person getting into this, it, it kind of is hard, you know, when you get people like us and, you know, you got bloggers on the scene and what's, what's the thing that's news. Oh, it's limited releases. Right. So always, always trying to stay off the hype train of, you know, always searching for those things is, is probably oh, pretty intimidating as well. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, mine's probably less philosophical than Carrie's. Um, deep my- is the word you're looking for. <laughs> deep. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I, you talk about acronyms. I still don't understand what CONUS and uh, popcorn means. Uh, I'm still lost. <laughs> but uh, I think it's like you said, the lunar. It's FOMO. Like you, you have the fear of missing out on all this stuff, and it's like you, you feel like you got to go get everything. And and then when you don't, it's such a disappointment. And you're like, well, this sucks. And then it's just, it's just that's that's the hardest part of getting into it. Is you're trying to get you're trying to get to that upper ladder that carries on, but you're at the bottom and it's frustrating getting, you know, those bottles and stuff. So that's that, that for me was the tough part. Mine's one that actually I still probably have it to this day sometimes. Right. And it's when people ask me what bourbon they should buy or like what bourbon they should buy as a gift. I'm always like, Oh crap. You know, I know a ton of bourbons. I know everything I like. This person's just getting into bourbon. They're going to buy like one bottle. If they don't like it, they're probably not going to do it again. And it's such a hard way to be like, well, what, you know, what, what type of alcohol do you like? I drink mixed drinks or like I drink wine, but I really want to get into bourbon. What do you recommend? It's like, 
and I have no idea what you're going to like, but here's, here's a bunch that I like, hopefully one that I just threw out based on like the limited knowledge set that you have of drinking um, alcohol, like hard straight alcohol is something you're going to like. And it's always like this fear of like, uh, did I do the right thing? Are they going to like this? It's so much pressure that it's constantly still this day when people ask me, I'm like, uh, let's drink a lot of bourbon. It's going to be hard recommending something for you, but here you go. Jordan, me, me, I, I love telling them that. Before y'all and y'all all can go, I'm just going to say from now on for the for the end of time, as whenever someone asks you that, you're going to send yeah. a link to this podcast, and then first is going to answer everything they they want to know about bourbon. As it Here is. you go. No need to respond. Just send this. <laughs> That's right. Just send this. I'll just print out a piece of paper. Here you go. Keep Watch the first thirty minutes, and you're good. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. Yeah, for me, I feel like the, the biggest intimidation was walking into stores and just you see so many different things on the shelves. It's like, man, where do I even start? Like, I'm on a limited budget with this stuff. I don't want to miss something that's really good. What if I walk in and, you know, this was actually a great bourbon that I should have tried. And instead, I picked up this crappy bottle. And um, I remember just standing in stores for 30 minutes, Googling on my phone, okay, what it? What do I want? <laughs> just try to figure it out. And I think that's why you see so many of the posts now on all the Facebook groups of how is this or is this worth picking up? And that's where people, I, I, sometimes I think they're just kind of fishing for, Hey, how, how much, or how is this meaning? Can I resell this for like 500 bucks or something? But a lot of times it's just, they really want to know like, Hey, look, I'm looking to spend $50. I have a few options. Where do I spend my money? Well, I mean, you'll um, even see that on your own Facebook group, Blake. Like, it's not I like people are posting like, limited <laughs> bottles. It's like they're picking up like a $30 bottle. Yeah. And it's the first yeah. time they've been in a liquor store seeing them. They're like, oh, is this good? It's like, oh. Yeah. Hey, they, people they ask now have a Facebook group to go to. 
They've got that's what the search feature is for. <laughs> <laughs> they just go to bourbon R and they say, is this a good bourbon? And they send yeah. people to respond to them. So. Just, if you're reading this, feel free to come in, drop that picture, nothing else. Don't contribute to the group at all. Just drop a picture. Should I buy this? And uh, <laughs> be welcomed yeah. with warm and <laughs> loving <Open> arms. arms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Brian, what were you saying before I... Um, interjected there well yeah I, w- I was saying go ahead and send those people to me because i'm happy to give my opinion of what they should buy first but <laughs> but my what, what intimidated me is when i didn't like something that was supposed to be good you know everybody and their brother says this is the best thing to get i just went and dropped you know five years ago 90 dollars on it or something and i try it and i don't like it and i think <laughs> well, shit. Am I am I doing this wrong? Yeah. You know what? What do I need to do? Is <laughs> something wrong with me? The, yeah. Yeah. Do I need to do hyper aeration, or do I need to? You know, what do I need to do to this to like it? And that's when you learn. Sometimes you don't like a twenty three year old Elijah Craig because you might as well gnaw on a banister. So <laughs> you know, you, everyone's got their own palate, and you got to get that past that intimidation of learning to like what you like and being fine with it. Yeah. One of the things that, that's been a continual thing coming up in the chat, uh, you know, John Dunn said, he said, FOMO is a real thing in this crazy hobby. Um, it, it seems that like everybody kind of latches on. And, and Mark Dunaway had, a, had another good suggestion that said, you know, trust your palate and trust what you like. You know, listen to people. I wouldn't say I don't want to say listen to us because you know we're considered. No, I'm going to say I don't know anything. Whatever, but only. <laughs> basically, the, the moral was like, don't follow blindly, right? I mean, it's a lot easier for you to see somebody post something on a review on Facebook that said, you know, this is a 10 out of 10 or 98 out of 100 or whatever kind of scoring algorithm you want to get to it. And then all of a sudden you kind of create this fake panic uh, about what could be out there. And so it, 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 I can definitely see if people that just get into it and just because one person says it's good, then everybody's immediately going to go out and, you know, just flock to it only because of just what that one person said. I like Andy's comment says most of the intimidating thing is knowing what to say when my wife finds a that receipt. Good comment. That was yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> or once she opens the guest bedroom closet and it's like, uh, where did the liquor store come from? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, Michael Urado said, you know, for him, it was more about education, right? Deciphering distilleries, uh, looking at NDPs, understanding that, you know, who exactly made what. And then I, I saw somebody else had commented. They say, I wish that distilleries like on the back of Elijah Craig or Henry McKenna, it would say like, you know, from Heaven Hill. But instead, you have to learn the DSPKYs and you have to learn all this sort of stuff to actually understand, you know, where this all comes from. Because at the end of the day, it is just a really good marketing scheme by uh, a lot of the companies out there. Yeah, some of the labels are like hieroglyphics trying to figure out where all this shit comes from. I w- it's crazy to me that like they have so much restriction on bald and bond <laughs> and like what bourbon is, but the labels, yeah. Are I think just we'll start to see there. some of that go away. I mean, you think about even even Pappy says made at the old Rip Van Winkle distillery and old charter says made at the old charter distillery. Buff or uh, Blanton says made at the A.H. Blanton does, well, that one may not say it, but that just seems to be the popular thing, how it was always done until in the last five or six years, people really started trying to call distilleries out on this. And I think we'll see more and more transparency on the label (laughs) in the next few years, hopefully at least. Yeah. 
Sorry, Sorry, not laughing at you, Blake, reading these comments right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll kind of we'll kind of move on a little bit because I think you know we're getting into some of the the tip sections for newbies, and I kind of want to keep going with that. So, what tips would you give to a newbie getting into this hobby? Uh, and Chase Smith says that you need to go out and buy every orphan barrel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree. That's a pretty good idea. So, so kind of kind of what's your what's your tip for a newbie that that's getting into this? You know whether you 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 shouldn't do exactly what Blake said before and go into a store, buy a bottle of bourbon and uh, do a shot and post it on the form and say like, did I make a good decision or what's this worth? Right? Like we know those are kind of uh, getting back into Carrie's top 10 annoying things in the bourbon world. But you know, what are those tips for newbies that you think that is a, is a kind of a good intro to say, this is where you need to start. These are the mistakes yeah. you shouldn't do. So on okay. and so forth. I'm going to go first. Stop relying on other people to get stuff for you. Stop posting stuff like, oh, man, I'm never going to see a bottle like this. Will you let me know if you have any extras? Like, stop relying on other people. Build a relationship with a store that is close to you. Spend money in the store. Get to know the people at the store. Put your work in to acquire the rare bottles, and you'll get the rare bottles. Stop relying on somebody else. Stop trying to be, like, the luckiest guy on the planet who hits up and calls every store on the planet and finally hits the one store that has a bottle sitting there and will hold it for you. Do the work and it will pay off over time. If you are loyal to a store, they will be loyal to you. And if they're not, switch stores. That's it. Period. Um, newbie question. Urban millennials. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carrie, this is a newbie question for you. So if, I, if I'm going to follow your advice and I need to go and I need to spend money in a store, how much money is is how much money I have to spend to be able to get me on a certain list? Or what what do I have to say to the store owner to be able to try to get in good with them? I have a friend who has not spent a, a ton of money. He just goes in once a week, picks up either beer or a cheaper bottle of bourbon. Um, he talks with the store owner all the time. He's been doing this for about a year, not a tremendous amount of time. Just getting to know the store owner knows that he is a loyal customer. He's going to come back. And he said, um, will you put me down on the list for the four grain? And the owner said, you're first one that I'll call. And this is a store that a lot of people go to. But he goes in, like I said, once a week, doesn't even spend a ridiculous amount of money. He just talks to either the liquor manager or the store owner and builds a relationship with the store. It doesn't require you to buy a ton of bourbon or booze every time you go in. Because I mean, there was a, there was actually a thread today on on the Bourbon R group of saying, "Oh, I've I've spent three thousand dollars at this one store last year," and he said that, um, you know, I'm not I'm not on the list to get anything. And, Switch stores, and that's that's exactly right. I, I think that's yeah, the you got to pull the chain. Yep. Yeah, that's that's the easy thing to do. I had the same exact um, you know realization myself one time, and um, you know, spent money between two different stores. One store was hooking me up; the other one wasn't. It was easy to kind of cut the cord and just get my all my business to one place. Uh, and ever since then, it's uh, it's been it's been great. Now it's not the biggest store; it's not going to get everything, but hey, uh, they take care of me and uh, like to be able to share stuff with them too whenever I get stuff in. So. All right. So I'd, let's get back to tips if, uh, a little bit if we want to go there. Yeah, let's I'd uh, say Jordan, so, one more thing. So tips for just newbies getting into it, right? For me, it's it's not even like, don't even go to the store to start. Just find a good bourbon bar by you. doesn't even seem to be like, doesn't need to have a ton of high-end releases or anything like that. Just needs to have a wide variety of selection and just start drinking stuff, right? Find like a cheap bourbon bar that has a wide variety of selection and just start trying a bunch of different things. And then eventually you'll see what you like and then start going and spending money. 
And this way, instead of like going to a liquor store and saying, ah, is this $30 bottle of bourbon good? And granted, $30 might not be a lot for a bottle of bourbon to a lot of folks, but you're still stuck with this bottle of, of bourbon if you don't like it, right? So I'd go to a bar, pay like six, seven bucks, get your get your Buffalo Trace, right? Get your Woodford, work your way up, find a bar that has some Latin, some Elmer, stuff like that. Start trying a bunch of stuff and then start going to the store afterwards. Like that's the best advice I can get to, give to anyone getting into bourbon because then you get to try a ton of stuff and really figure out what you start liking or at least like maybe what distillery you like or what few distillers you like and then dive in from there. Keyword was cheap there because that get expensive fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, of, of course, of course. I think that's uh, I think that's good advice. You know, bourbon bars are the best way to try a lot of different stuff and stuff you probably can't get your hands on if you're new to it. Um, I also just suggest reading a ton. There, there's a lot of good information out there right now, so start reading about all the different things. Uh, read other people's reviews. Find people's reviews you like. Figure out what's what. Um, and you know we'd all be lying if we said we don't chase limited edition releases. So make friends at stores, buy from us just one specific store, uh, you know, open the bottle in the store and give the manager a sample whenever he hooks you up with something. You know, I, it's kind of like, how do you be a nice person to people in just work relationships? Not like in a fake way, but you know, these guys probably want to try a lot of these bourbons too. And I've found, a lot of times when I ask, Hey, do you want to try this? They're more than willing to like crack it open because a lot of times people are coming in, buying the bottle and going and selling it. So if they see you're actually drinking it, um, they're much more inclined to give you the call next time over the guy who they think's flipping it on Craigslist. Um, so that's, that's some of my suggestions. And that's a great point too. And so to piggyback on that, Blake, if, if you get a private barrel from somewhere or if you're in a group that gets a it's a gets a barrel, go give that go give a bottle. I mean, you'll end up mm-hmm. with twelve bottles or whatever. Uh, go give one to that manager. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a way to keep that relationship going. Uh, my other idea to add on to this, and it's it'll cost some money. I don't want to sound like I'm plugging the the KDA, but <laughs> do something like Bourbon Affair. Um, yeah. This it's such a great event that they've put together. It's in June of every year, and you get real access to all the distilleries. You get to meet the master distillers, and you can drop a lot of bank on this if you do it for the whole week. But if you just do one or two events, I mean, you get inside access to Four Roses or Wild Turkey, whichever, you know, wherever you want to go. And that's that's something great for for the newbies who are starved to see the the, the back of the shop. It's a great, great event. That's a really good point, too, because pretty much every major city has some kind of whiskey festival or something going on now. And even without going to a bar, you can taste a ton of different stuff. And, you know, obviously the bourbon affair has the market cornered and you got every master distiller coming out. But some of these smaller festivals and stuff still have a good pour selection. You just may not get to see that back back access that that's another good yep. suggestion for new people go to these yeah, events yeah. you could also um on reddit there is a uh I, I know bourbon or blake loves when i mentioned the reddit um but there is a board dedicated to, to trading samples and not just on reddit but on facebook too so if you are interested in sample swapping there are boards that will sell you a small sample so you can have the bar experience in your home if you don't have a good bourbon bar nearby or you can trade samples with new people 
I, um, I did a lot of, when I first started out, I did a lot of sample trading on Reddit. Um, and there's Scotch swatch, Scotch swap board. And that's where I found a lot of bourbons and tried a lot of different stuff. So yeah, that, that, and also usually local areas will have a group with meetups. I know for Atlanta, we have a large group, the Atlanta bourbon society, and they'll have meetups, you know, maybe once a quarter or twice a year. And that's a good place to get together and, and try a lot of stuff. Everybody brings a bottle of something. So there are not just local connections, but there are connections um, on the interwebs that you can hit up to get samples for stuff. So Brett kind of asked a question in regard to that. Uh, Brett Williford said, can you trust the samples you're receiving in the swap? Well, yeah. I mean, um, they have ratings on Reddit, right? So every time you trade someone, you post the trade and you you get bumped up a level. That's the one good thing about Reddit is you're able to get a ranking system mm-hmm. for people who trade. So you know if you are trading with someone with a certain number of trades, they're kind of more justified than the person who you just meet on a Facebook group. Um, I have personally never traded anyone a sample of piss. I mean, I'm sure maybe somebody out there have, but every trade I've ever made on any forum has been totally legit. Um, you know, a person's name is out there, but I think Reddit, uh, the Scotch swap board, like I said, which is also for bourbon and rye is probably the best place to find trusted traders for that. Good deal. So uh, a few more things, you know, I didn't want to do all all hunting tips for newbies or anything like that, uh, because this one kind of goes back into it. And if, by, any, by any chance, if somebody's like just starting into these podcasts, go back and search through. I, I can't find the podcast number, but go look at the one we did with just Carrie, where we talked about uh, this, this top 10 annoying things in the bourbon world. And this was kind of one of them uh, that Travis Roberts pointed out. For any newbies that are looking to start trading, uh, don't go into a group and try to find Papier BTAC and start throwing around Elmer and Old Weller Antique thinking that people are going to do it because you've got 30 bottles to their one. Um, so just don't do that. But uh, another thing that Matt, Matt Hirsch said, uh, tips for newbies, is that everybody's, everybody's palate's different. So don't be afraid. And again, that kind of goes back into the intimidation factor is if you can't taste you know, bananas fosters like everybody else can, uh, just like what you like. Marzipan. Yeah. Yes. And I would also say to uh, find a store that gets a lot of private barrel picks. For To me, yeah. that's the new limited release for me because we're, we're chasing after a ton of stuff that everybody else is. And these stores get fantastic barrel picks that are just as good, if not better than some of the limited releases. So, so I think with that, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll kind of drop down on the, the tips for newbies section. And I think this is, this is kind of going to go to us and maybe we can, we can learn something from each other here. Uh, what are the tips that you should give to veterans that are in this with new people that are coming into it and and either, you know, how they should how they should treat stuff or whatever? Because uh, I can tell you right now, I kind of made a, um, a senior mistake this week. Somebody it was literally somebody on one of the forums said, has anybody seen E.H. Taylor Foregrain yet? And I was like, why are we asking this question every single week? If you knew anything about bourbon, you can look back at the release maps. You know how the data works. It's going to hit a certain state first, usually Atlanta, and then it'll be here two to three weeks later. Right? So I I gave a pretty dickhead response. I gave a pretty dickhead response. Don't be wrong, right? Like, motherfucker, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody knows that, like, it's going to hit Atlanta, like, any day now. So just go start circling, right? Um, But 
anyway, but you know, I, I kind of, I it was, it was the morning. I was a little frustrated, whatever went off, uh, you know, had a little while, a little, little while I cooled down and realized like I came off like a extreme dickhead. Right. So I made a veteran mistake on it. So what other kind of mistake or whatever kind of things do you think tips the veterans should have, uh, that are getting into this or should I say get or for to, to the newbies that are getting into this thick skin, thick, gigantic skin covered around you if you're going to get annoyed with people saying shitty things to your dumb comments then you're not even um ready for it but (laughs) i think more importantly to the veterans we know that everyone has been there at some point and to me the reason that i love staying in this hobby is because i love to share with people i love to see the look on people's faces when they try stuff that is rare and hard to find and awesome. And to me, it's about sharing, right? So I, I get that people have to start somewhere. I hate that they get in the way of me trying to find stuff. But on the flip side, I know that that's where everybody starts. And in the end, we're in this hobby because we like to share and experience really good stuff. And that's what it's all about. We have to keep that in mind when we, you know, want to talk crap to these newbies and for the newbies, you know, you just have to keep thick skin and know that some people may be frustrated, but at the end of the day, they would love to end up drinking your really rare bourbon at some point at, at your house or something. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's one Carrie said is really good. And I think remembering too his whole ladders thing, like, yeah, everyone started off on the bottom rung. And then I think the other thing that I want to add for, for veterans too when talking to newbie is I think a lot of times when people are getting into something, they're just really intimidated and they don't want to come off as being like the new guy in the room. So they come off thinking they know more than they really do. And they're going to say some stupid stuff and it's going to be really clear. They don't know what's going on. So don't like get discouraged or just get turned off and not talk to them anymore. Like clearly that's the person who needs the most help and you could probably educate them a little bit. It's like try and give them a little bit of knowledge, right? I mean, if they're a dick, they're a dick, but if they're just trying to like pretend like they know more than they really do, because they're a little bit intimidated, especially knowing maybe, you know, more about bourbon, just like be a little nicer and really help them out. Um, I think that'll go a long way in them and actually admitting that, yeah, I actually don't know what's going on. Can you help me out? And then help them out. Plus one, buddy. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, let me hear you. I see your face right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, those are all good things. I mean, I, I don't know that any veteran is going to take a tip from any of us. Um, I think what you all have said is is right on target. And, uh, I mean, when you, when I see a crotch shot, I mean, I, I just got to look away and be like, okay, that's what they want to do. Um, <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta ignore a lot of that and you gotta try to help a brother out. And, uh, and Carrie, I like what you said about it's, it's all about sharing. And, you know, if, if you know, if you're at a, if you're at a bourbon bar and they've got a good selection and someone's hounding you for what up there is the best. And they're asking about Pappy or whatever it is, and there's 14 things better than Pappy up there. Help a brother out and tell him uh, tell him what's what's up there is better and, and costs twenty dollars less than that. Um, it's it's all about sharing and uh, you know be be kind, brothers. <laughs> so this kind of goes to some of you. This kind of goes to some of you bloggers out there because Thunder Chicken said, don't give politically correct reviews, right? Because a lot of you all, you get, I mean, even Carrie tonight, he, he got a, a free sample of Blood Oath and he gave his honest opinion, right? Uh, he is, that's one of the things to, to the, the bloggers out there, they get all these, these free samples is, you know, maybe don't lead the blind, but you got to you gotta 
be uh, got to be truthful and honest about what's actually going out there because you know you are the 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 voice that that's being resonated throughout the uh, the yeah, bourbon halls, if you will. Travis Roberts said, as you know, for a veteran, try to help out a newbie and share a bottle at cost. You know, you know, bourbon karma. You know, whether it's a real thing or not. Uh, Cal Smith. Cal Smith said, and I've, I'm accused of this when he says, "Don't say my daily drink is something that's really hard to find." Because when people ask me that, I'm like, uh, "Well, or 12, Because I've got like 30 <laughs> bottles of it. So, <laughs> what a dick. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, but that one guy said suburbia preach. I like that. That was good. There you go. That's the thing. I think it's like people are jerks. They're gonna if somebody's a jerk, they're gonna be a jerk. It, it doesn't matter yeah. if they're at like the high end of bourbon or at the, the low end of bourbon. They're gonna be annoying no matter what because it's just like money. Uh, if somebody has an ego, they're gonna have an ego no matter what. Yeah, yeah. But you know, the, it, I think the biggest thing is sharing. Like um, sharing is caring. You no, know, it, it is kind of fun to carry. take <laughs> sharing is carry. Well, That's caring. It. <laughs> no, sharing is carry. Share with people who don't. Find someone who is not as into bourbon or rye or loves it but doesn't have a big collection. Invite them over and let them try your bad stuff and let them get into the hobby. Um, if anyone makes their way to Atlanta and wants to try any of this Blood 03, I've got samples for you. <laughs> um, what well, happened to sharing? I thought we were cracking open the uh, like Sazerac 18 or something. No, no. I think you should just give away your address right here. And we'll yeah, just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can do it. All right, so guys, we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to do one last question. Don't go super in-depth. Just kind of give me that, that one answer. Um, so what was the first limited release bottle that you had that – you kind of just became a sucker for FOMO. So you, you want a bottle that was good or bad overall? Well, what was that bottle that was like a limited release bottle that you got and you were like, oh shit, this is the tits. And now I have to go buy everything limited release oh, man, because I'm just, I feel like I'm going to miss out. And that's why we're all like, oh, E.H. Taylor four grain. Like, I hope we get a bottle when so really first bottle like, eh, maybe. First, no doubt. First bottle of stack for me. That's just, <sighs> that's something's <laughs> things in me and it's just, oh my, that was it. That was it. <laughs> Right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm the same. I'm George T. Stag. That was just like that. What one. year? Uh, that was probably the 2011. I think it would have been. Okay. What was the high? I think it was like 140.2. Because I that remember was 2012. Just, was that 2012? Yes. Yeah, so okay. Because um, I just remember thinking like, I think I like tried it at a bar the year before. I was like, oh, this is good, and then just getting my own bottle holding it in my hand was just, you know, thinking I have to grab every single bottle I can after that, which is good thing at that time. It wasn't as hard as it was. Yeah. As it is it could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have like 10 2014 stacks. <laughs> exactly. 2014 stack was, was mine. So I'm, I'm going to follow along with that stack. There you go. So, uh, so Brian, Kerry, Ryan. Oh yeah, sure. Um, mine, in hindsight, it's a 2006 Weller, um, which I thought was just phenomenal. But I didn't have the sense, good sense then, that things were going to get as tight as they got. Because that was still, you know, every, everything's available. All the limited editions were available in Kentucky at the time. So what, but really what got me to realize we were in trouble is the 2012 Four Roses limited edition small batch, mm -hmm. which was so great. 
And that really made the 2013, the 125th anniversary for Rose's limited edition, just disappear immediately. Mm -hmm. And when that wasn't available anywhere, so it's essentially 2013, uh, the fall of 2013 is when it hit me hard that it, this is real and everything's going to be hard to get. And that's my fear of missing out because then I had to realize I had to go try to get everything. And so then I was the, was, uh, the second guy in line at Wild Turkey when they were at the gift shop when they were releasing Diamond. And I got... I talked the lady and giving me six bottles instead of the maximum three. And it's horrible. Uh, so what do you do? Did you get one over on them? Yeah. Okay. It's not horrible, but it's not worth me taking off not work to go to the gift shop on, you know, whatever yeah, day that was. In April of, I'm pretty sure I could still find you an extra whatever six. It's, so, <laughs> yeah. It's still there. So you got the fear of missing out, and then you go and buy, you know, you get a bad birthday bourbon, or you get a bad, you know, diamond, or you get a bad whatever. And it's some business because I, I passed up on the Booker's 25th thinking, how can Jim Bean yeah. do something good? And, I, you know, I saw bottles and I passed up. And then I had to go get one later after the fact when fear of missing out kind of gets you in a bind sometimes too. Yep, for I, sure. I have three bottles of Masters Keep sitting in my closet, so I'm I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'll, I'll, tra I'll it, trade you a diamond for it. Yeah, every time I pass it in a store, I'm like, huh, glad I uh, paid that extra 10 bucks when it first released. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For me, uh, I still remember the... the the turning point for me, I called every store in Atlanta when I first started, asked them if they had Happy or Antique Collection. All of them, you know, laughed at me in some way or another. I ended up at a Total Wine November of 2014. I was looking for the baby Sazerac, the regular Sazerac rye. I asked the uh, guy who was walking around if they had Sazerac rye. He had a bottle of Saz 18 in his hands, and he was looking for sell for it. So I bought it, and I took it home. I opened it up, I tried it, and I still remember thinking this is the greatest thing I've ever had in my life to try taste-wise. And since then, that that opinion has never changed. To me, Saz 18 was the one that got me started on the rare releases. It's the one that I that I collect to this day. It's um, To me, it was a game changer. Yeah, my first bottle that I was like, all right, uh, you can taste the difference between a rare release and like a $30 bottle was uh 2008 pappy 15 and uh that kind of was like all right there is something to these special releases let's go get as many as we can but i didn't have the foresight to bunker a bunch of them back in the day i just drank them and now they're just empty bottles somewhere yeah <laughs> so i'm gonna read off just a few people that chimed in nick amadeo said booker's 25th andy kowalchek he's a fomo for jefferson's ocean's first voyage uh, 22 said the velvet decanter Jim Beam. Thunder Chicken said that damn lot B. Benjamin Ward said Jefferson's 18 year. QSEC, Pappy Rye at his first anniversary or his anniversary dinner made me realize the craziness in life. Um, let's see. Yeah. And then a few other stags, some other things in there. 2014 William Lerue Weller. Pretty standard stuff. So with that, I want to say thank you, gentlemen, for joining us tonight. Uh, it was a pleasure having everybody on the, uh, the roundtable once again. Thank you, everybody, that also joined in to chime in, share your your answers. Uh, 
Guys, I want to let you go around the table one more time and give everybody an idea of where you blog, where they can find you on Twitter, um, your own personal Facebook groups where you can have people come and talk to you, all that sort of good thing. So go ahead. Uh, I'll move it over to you first, Carrie. This is uh, Carrie from Suburbia.com, S-U-B-O-U-R-B-I-A. Uh, follow me on Twitter at, at Bourbon underscore Gamer and Facebook. Follow me at Bourbonar Facebook group, and because that's where I'm most active. And um, yeah, see you guys. See you guys soon. Yeah, guys, uh, this is uh, I'm at Sipping Corn at S I P P apostrophe N Corn. Um, that's uh, mostly Twitter, and check out the blog by the same name. And uh, I've got your reviews for the for the newbies who are looking and. Uh, for people who are way too far into it, I've got uh, analysis of old cases, and uh, and cheers, everyone. Sure, this is uh, Jordan, one of three guys who runs BreakingBourbon.com. Uh, we do reviews, articles, and a daily release calendar. You can find us Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Breaking Bourbon, and also sign up for our monthly newsletter. I'm Blake at Bourboner.com. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, if you go to Bourboner.com, you'll find we have a, I have a breakdown of all the distilleries. So great for new guys who are just getting into the hobby and kind of see which distillery uses which mash bill and what they distill, what proof they distill at, and barrel entry proof and barrel char, all kinds of things that will affect the taste of bourbon and help you better understand as a new guy getting in and as an experienced bourbon drinker, uh, what's in your bottle. Awesome. Well, guys, I want to say thank you again for joining tonight. If you like what you hear, make sure you support the show on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Bourbon Pursuit. You can also follow Bourbon Pursuit on all those great social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Bourbon Pursuit. And uh, this might be the the wrap up for what we would call newbies month, even though this is uh, actually a month where we have five weeks in it. So we're gonna okay. we're actually gonna fall kind of short of a month, I think. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's pretty standard. Yeah, it's Baker's month. <laughs> if, for, if for some odd reason I get a hair up my ass that I can think of another kind of newbie topic to have for next week, then uh, we'll we'll try to figure that one out. Uh, but Ryan, go ahead and close us out. No, but I think it's been super fun. The getting back to the basics, uh, you know, like you said, as old guys or whatever, you know, veterans, we kind of just get blindsided by all the new release or the limited releases and how sitting up on our ladder, you know, up at the top. So it's good to kind of get back to the bottom and to why we got into this hobby. So it's been fun. Cheers, fellas. Cheers. Cheers. All right, cheers. We'll see everybody next week. While we're waiting, you want first impressions of Blood 03? Go for it. Tastes the exact same as 1 and (laughs) 2. What? Fred Minnick said it was the next God's gift to us. This is a waste of money. Every day, all day long. <laughs>